Hello and welcome to Backing Paper for another week of listener-fueled wonderfulness. And joining me, as always, to help me deal with this listener-fueled wonderfulness <laughs> is the wonderful herself, Rachel. Rachel, how are you, my dear? The wonderful myself. <laughs> That's a lovely way of, of putting it. Um, I'm okay. I'm a bit pooped this morning. I have to say, we were up at half past four uh, in the morning. Um, on Bank Holiday Monday, can you believe <laughs> it's Bank Holiday? Um, because the um, smoke alarm in our house started. Apparently, the battery decided to die at half past four in the morning, so it started bleeping. You know that really annoying bleep, mm-hmm. bleep, bleep, bleep. Um, so that woke us up, and then the dog was like, "What the heck's going on?" So then she was up. And, oh God! So, <laughs> so maybe not the most bubbly, but um, but it is sunny outside, and that's given me a boost today so that's good so i'm feeling i'm feeling good i'm feeling better and uh, it's nice to see the sunshine out there so um i'm hoping that that will keep me going until at least three o'clock this afternoon before i crash yeah yeah <laughs> we because oh, we're doing a morning recording so we didn't record last night because i was pooped because i've been back at work all this week and it's yeah. taking it out of me a bit because it's been so hot and sunny so we're doing it on the monday morning as you said bank holiday although as soon as we're done with this i am off to work um and it is glorious and sunny again it's it does yeah, help cheer you lovely. up, doesn't it, Rach? It does. It's it's actually been quite a grey week here in Liverpool. It clearly sounds like it hasn't been for you. No. It's been nice and sunny and, and hot. But actually, um, it's been a lot of cloud and grey um, as opposed to what we'd become accustomed to, I think, what we've been used to. Um, so it did make a bit of a difference this week. Um, and uh, some some of my like exposures were taking a bit longer and all this kind of stuff anyway. So it's been nice to see the sunshine again and, and have that come back. Um, so, yeah. That's uh, that's where we're at this morning. So, uh, yeah, I'll uh, try and keep the yawning to a minimum. But <laughs> but you've had a very exciting week this week, haven't you? I you sent you were posting lots of things on social media, showing you well, basically just seeing your front door and the floor, <laughs> waiting for special things to arrive. Yeah, this was a very exciting week. Um, So I got a message from Steve Lloyd on, I think it was Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday, Mm -hmm. um, saying, your camera's on its way, Ah. Um, uh, which was fantastic news, obviously. um, And I had to wait. Which camera is this, Graham? You haven't mentioned it before. (laughs) Have I not? (laughs) (laughs) This would, of course, be my um, Chroma Carbon Adventurer, the first one off the production line. Um, My for my carbon fiber 4x5 or 5x4 camera um, and it turned up on Friday <laughs> Sinead got home before I did and she said two things one your package has arrived two you left the front door open it's like well you know, um, I mean not physically excited. open but I didn't lock it but yeah how is he going to deliver my camera if I don't leave the door open for him luckily nobody <laughs> stole anything so that was good <laughs> I was a bit distracted by thinking about the camera I think um but yes, it arrived and uh, and it's great. It's really great. Um, I I won't talk about it at great length here because my, the plan is a bit like I did when I borrowed the snapshot. I'm actually going to do uh, a sort of a little extra podcast at some point in the next couple of weeks um, to talk about it uh, and the chroma in relation to my other 4x5 cameras, my sort of Ronald and my Intrepid, and also get Steve on to talk about the camera and the choices made because the thing is what i love about this camera is that it's so well thought out um Mm. the the the, uh choices that have been made for from the point of view of functionality there's just so many little things you go that's just a little thing but boy does it Mm. make a difference um that's kind of the story of this camera so anyway it's here I'm delighted with it. I have already been out and taken some pictures with it. Um, I'm so pleased to hear that. And so not surprised. <laughs> has it been named yet? No, no. So because there has been ongoing naming things happening, haven't there? Yeah, Matthew put a post up because um, obviously Ronald came to me as Ronald. Um, uh, he, he was thus named. Um, and my intrepid got called the Green Meanie. Um, but yeah, this camera does need a name. Uh, I, I, mm-hmm. Matthew did run through some of the ones that have come through um you know there was i think what was it chroma chroma or something like that obviously uh somebody went with mcdonald to follow on from ronald um i think bert was one of them um there, was, there are a few but you know nothing's kind of leapt out yet so still still need to work on that one um but uh yeah so anyway an exciting new talk i spent yesterday evening 
I got down an old camera bag that I never really use these days. Um, it's one that somebody gave me ages ago. It's a pretty ugly, dumpy thing, but it's just the right size for me to put the camera, my new Carbon Adventure in, uh, and the lenses I've got for it, and, and the dark setting, all kind of zips. Like, great, now I've got my kit all ready to go. I can put it on my bag and off Perfect. I trot. Um, so, How yeah. heavy is it? Um, it's, oh, that's a good question. Te uh, technically, I don't know. It's a little heavier than my sure. Intrepid, um, okay. Okay. but not much. Um, yeah. But the two lenses that I've got are not lightweight lenses either. They're quite <laughs> they're, bulky are These are brass ones? Or... Uh, well, the brass one's in there as well, because I got Steve to make yeah. me a... Um, lens board for the brass one so i can actually mount that properly so that's now got a proper lens board um but i've also got a 150 millimeter um schneider simar and yeah. the 75 millimeter super angulon that i got for my birthday that's your birthday um, one yeah that's the one i took out uh on sunday saturday saturday when i went out and took some pictures and um i went to bampton church which is kind of my go-to place because it's interesting it's the most interesting thing to go and take a picture of in Bampton so mm -hmm. that's why and, and also it's an easy place to go because I know I can set up it won't be in anybody's way and I've been there with Ronald and I've got a 180 mil lens on Ronald and obviously I'd been there with my Intrepid when I just had the 150 mil going there with a 75 mil lens I went oh boy I can see all of this church very easily you now. Get it all in, not just yeah. the spire for a change. Seventy-five mil is like, oh, that's a lot wider. Um, yeah. so that's quite exciting because I think seventy-five mil yeah. is probably the widest lens I've got, sort of, uh, relatively speaking, across the range. Um, I don't think of anything either in medium format or small format that's as wide, relatively speaking, as the seventy-five mil is. Because I guess it's about. 24 mil equivalent I'm, you know, mm. I know there'll be a way of finding it exactly but roughly so that was fun it's like, oh this gives me new choices <laughs> um, I have to move closer now as opposed to in the past when I went there with Ronald uh, I was like oh I cannot go all of this church in for love nor money <laughs> you end up sta like, oh. standing in the middle of the dual carriageway or something like exactly. sorry guys yes, <laughs> move exactly. around me <laughs> exactly um, so that was fun yeah. so yeah it's been good and the weather's been lovely um, and I've just had fun playing with it at home and um, also getting out and using it is because it's got it's like a little transformer. <laughs> like you oh. undo this and it's fold. I mean, you know this because you also oh, yeah, have the same thing. Oh, yeah, because of the folding. Yeah, it's yes. brilliant, that, isn't it? And transformers, I, I used to have the red transformer when I was little. It, well, it, I don't know if it was a a, a bona fide transformer, but <laughs> I loved it because I <laughs> I had um, uh, like a, an old margarine tub of um, cars, mm -hmm. all sorts of different cars and things. They were like my absolute all-time favourite thing. And one of them was a car that was red, bright red. So it looked a bit like a Ferrari, you know, like you trip, you know, sort of like typical kind of like, um, you know, six-year-old girl kind of toy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it and it was a transformer. It became a robot. Amazing. Oh, that's so, sweet. so yeah, when I got my Chroma as well, I was like, this is awesome because it take it took me straight back to being able to do that. And I just love that idea that you can like pop it down into like pocket size. Ish. <laughs> big, big pockets, big pockets. Big pocket. I, I remember when Steve and I first kind of talked about this idea, and I think the Optimus Prime of cameras was discussed. And when I was playing, it was like, yeah, this. This has achieved the goal it sets out to. Um, as I said, there's so much stuff to talk about with it. So we'll, yes. I'll, I'll save that to something yes. separate because otherwise we'll be here all day. But suffice to say, <laughs> I'm pleased with my purchase and Good. it exceeds my expectations. Um, yeah, I'm just very happy with it. Yeah, and also, I'm, I'm very happy that I have the little plate because they come with a little um, protector for the glass the ground mm -hmm. glass in the back and mine's got a carbon adventure number one on it <laughs> which i will obviously never actually be able to use for its designated purpose because i want to save that forever <laughs> so i might have to get steve to make me one just a blank one just to put on there but um yeah. you get like a stage one yes you know? exactly <laughs> That's exactly um what have you been up to this week rach i've been trying to have a bit of a quieter week this week but i know you've also still been doing some creative stuff because you cannot help yourself yeah, what have i been doing um you did some more anthotypes didn't you because you sent me some true. pictures that's, that's true yes i did oh yes i did didn't i i sent you some more yeah so um i've just been continuing on with the um adventures with those and seeing what seeing what comes out and what's working nicely and um 
Um, obviously, considering the uh, issue that I had with my first lot with the, the strawberry ones um, and Marcy knocking them over in the mm. rain and all the rest of it. Um, so I I'm, did one as a mixed print, which is beetroot and strawberry. So, mm. yeah, that's currently outside at the moment. It smells amazing, I have to say. Mm. <laughs> so even if it doesn't work as a print, <laughs> I'm happy because it smells much nicer. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've been working with, with those, really, um, and just kind of, like, keep keeping up with the um experiments with those yeah i'm going to be doing i'm going to be doing yeah a um a proper tutorial video um just show people how to do it obviously uh for my patreon soon yeah they look really fun and i I love those ones where you've got different layers of material all on the same paper so it looks like i can't my brain is absolutely freezing for me that that three color the three color type of ice cream is what it looks like oh neapolitan neapolitan Um, i knew something italian (laughs) like not florence (laughs) Funnily enough, that apparently is Matt Day's favourite type of ice cream. And I know that sounds really creepy that I know that, but... Because <laughs> <A little> <laughs> um, obviously I was watching um, Analog TV mm-hmm. uh, this week and Matt, Matt Day was on. And that question came up? And that question came up, yeah. Okay. What's your favourite type of ice cream? And he said Neapolitan. So ah, it's really, I mean, it's That's how I know. The wrong choice, but... Well, I, I see I go for, probably for strawberry and um, lemon meringue. No, I mean, again, those are both lovely things, but they are the wrong. Honeycomb is the correct choice. Mm. Honeycomb ice cream, or hokey pokey, as they call it in New Zealand. Um, but yeah, honeycomb is the <laughs> correct they? choice. That's mm-hmm. a new thing. Yeah. I know that. Um, um, but yeah, so so that's, oh, I think the one that you're talking about, I did as a kind of like a split, <laughs> a split tone mm. <laughs> with some, uh, it was with spinach and it with paprika. Mm. That, cool. that came out quite cool because then you get like the different colours come through and stuff as well. Yeah, it looked really awesome. Really, an, an idea I would never would have thought of, but yeah, it looks really cool. <laughs> um, we have got a bumper selection of splendid Ooh. emails this week. Should we start delving into these, Rach? I think we should. We started talking t- together an hour ago, so <laughs> <laughs> it's probably time we actually got to everybody's lovely should. letters. Well, do you want to take this them. first one then, Rach, from Stuart William? I shall. It says, hi, Sunny16. First time emailer here. Woo! We've got a klaxon or a... <laughs> I've got an air horse somewhere, but you, nobody likes it. <laughs> no, we don't need that. No. I was thinking more like a tambourine or a triangle a ta- or something. A tambourine? Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay, first time emailer here. Hi, Stuart. Uh, just wondering if you could give me some of your advice. Does he know what we do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've set up a darkroom at home and I've bought a job lot of secondhand darkroom equipment. Amongst this is a load of Ilford chemicals for developing, stop and fix for printing and developing my negatives. The only thing is that they are about 10 years old but never been opened and I've got about 15 bottles. <laughs> do you think they might be okay to use and would you suggest I mix them stronger because of the age of them? Thanks in advance from Stuart. P.S. Really loving the podcast, especially on pinhole photography. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's lovely to hear from you, Stuart. Go on, Graham. You sound like you were raring to go there. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Rach. Um, I, I suppose my initial thought is if they've not been opened, then they may well still be okay. It depends on which ones they are. Um, it depends on which developer they are because some developers have a much longer uh, lifespan anyway. Um, I think stop, stop bath, I wouldn't worry about. I think that's probably fine. Um, and fix if it's not been opened. Again, I probably wouldn't worry about. That's probably fine. Uh, the developer, I'd be a little bit more wary of. Um, but if you've got a lot of it, I'd certainly test it. Just don't try it on something. Don't use it to develop film. Um, yeah, no, especially not be your first film and things like that, because that can it will just give you the wrong impression, perhaps. The, yes. other, the other thing is that... Um, sorry, before I come on to my thought, um, do you want to just... Explain to Stuart how how you would test your fixer. Uh, yeah, so I mean, if you're testing the fixer, then the easiest way to do it is just get a bit of so when you a bit of film, a bit of film lead that you've clipped off when you're loading into the thing, and um, just put it into some mixed up fixer, and uh, it should see how long it takes to clear. Um, and generally speaking, it should be if the, if the fix is good, that should be going clear in under a minute for film. So if it's doing that, then it's probably still fine. You you would fix it for longer when you're actually doing film, but you should see it clear the film in about under a minute. Um, yeah. And then you you take the you then use that time to go clear as your sort of starting point. 
and then test it regularly. And when it takes, I think, is it twice as long to go clear? You kind of give up mm. on it at that point. Something like that. But. Potentially exhausted. Yes. The um, the other, sorry, the thank you for that, Graham. That's awesome. Um, the other thing I would say is that because you've bought this as a job lot of secondhand, um, you don't know how it's been stored. So um, although you've got 15 bottles, I my you know you don't know whether that's been in the fridge whether it's ever been kept cool or whether they've stuck it next to the radiator for the last 10 years mm. you know um so there's a possibility um it could have been up in the attic great um <laughs> but also very hot and very cold depending on the time of year and has done that for 10 years potentially mm. so um one thing that i would absolutely before you, you before you do anything before you open any of the bottles please make sure you've got gloves on please make sure you've got goggles on okay because fixer especially could explode in the eye and it's basically <laughs> right okay. so, yeah that sounds bad now that you say that yeah. that's like oh yeah good thought um yeah, so please just Stuart, just make sure I'm not being over, over the top here. I'm just trying to be sensible and, and basically say, you know, because it could be like, oh, dead exciting. I'm just going to see if this smells okay or looks okay or whatever. Da, da, da. Um, always make sure that you've got goggles on, that it's somewhere well ventilated um, before you even open it, okay? The other thing is that you could get in touch with Ilford themselves, the technical team, and say, I've got this you know, and, and just let them know which kind of like batches it is and see what they say, you know, um, in terms of in terms of their thoughts as well. They're very good. Michelle is brilliant, uh, obviously, on social media and things um, and should be able to pass you on to the technical team, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, like get in touch, speak to Ilford as well. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, obviously, like the biggest problem with any of these chemicals is as soon as they get air in them, oxidisation yes. starts yeah. making them go bad. So uh, 10 years... If if they've been stored in somewhere cool and dark, they may still be good. And as I said, particularly I think the the I mean the stop bath I just wouldn't worry about. I'm sure that's fine, um, and the fixer probably. But the developer will be the one I have some concerns over. But it depends on which developer it is, and if it's super shelf stable and it's been kept stored away, then. But you know, as Rach said, open with the correct safety equipment. Maybe open outside as well, so it's in a well ventilated yeah. area, and yeah. um, and just do a test. Do a test with something that's not. But it's very exciting though, getting all this darkroom yeah. stuff. Awesome! <gasps> Can't wait to see what you create, Stuart. That's awesome stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the next one. This is a quick one. Uh, well, it's kind of a. Uh, here's the thing that we missed um, from Justin Quinnell. <laughs> Justin's great at sending us um, information about stuff it? that's going on. <laughs> we uh, hopefully not, but he always sends me the emails um, after the backing paper has happened. <laughs> of events that are happening before the following backing paper. So unfortunately, we all missed um, uh, international phototherapy uh, research thing. Uh, they did an online conference and um, I've had a look at it. They had some great speakers on there, but it happened on Friday. So we all missed that. Um, so the important takeaway from this is that uh, Justin Quinnell um, is doing some really interesting stuff during lockdown and everything that's going on. So everybody, one, follow him on um Instagram and, and Twitter in particular, but also the real photography company um, uh, are doing loads of things. So keep an eye on the real photography company. I think it's the real photography company dot. Uh, let me just double check that because I've already forgotten. This is real photography company dot co dot. Um, it doesn't actually have the. Uh, is it dog? Da, 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 da. I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> Let's say that. Um, Basically, but, Justin got in touch and let us know that there was this um, online symp symposium, I think. Um, yes, as part that's of a good the word. Real Photography Company in Bristol, basically. They were looking at the work that they do with community photography um, and uh, basically they were doing it as an online presentation um, this year. So, so, yeah, so have a little look for the Real Photography Company and for Justin Quinnell and hopefully you'll be... Uh, it'll keep you up to date a bit easier. <laughs> yes, yeah. So unfortunately, yes. the timing, more, the timing does not quite work. Manner. But yeah, it is yeah. realphotographycompany.co.uk um, and they've had some really cool stuff going on over the last few weeks with various different things which we talked about. Okay, um, what have we got up next? Oh, this is a follow-up, Rach, from last week's one from JM Golden. Do you want to take this one? Lovely. Oh, your question's answered. We always like that, don't we? That's mm. cool. Uh, JM has written in to say, Hi, Sunbeams. Graham, I'm so pleased to hear that you and Sinead are feeling better. So so are we all, Graham. Um, I, I realise I didn't say that at the top of the show, but obviously <laughs> we have been, we have, of course, been thinking of you. I know you're fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we're, we've been worrying about Sinead and, and I'm glad to know that she's starting to feel a bit better. Um, it's good to know 
it's good to know that no coronavirus would stop you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for your kind words about the photos I sent last week. Thanks too for telling listeners about my website. I'm sorry if my last message was confusing. You're right, Graham. All the images in that message were pinhole photos. Rachel wondered what camera I'd used. I think I was like, it's probably the Holger, right? Hmm. Um, for the first one, the double exposed trees, I used a pinholger. Hooray! I was right. More formally known as the Holger 120 PC. Um, I, I'm going to guess PC is for pinhole camera, maybe? Seems like a solid guess to me, Rach. Um, Graham, com- uh, Graham complained. <laughs> he didn't, sorry. <laughs> Graham explained the pinholger well. Uh, before the original Holger factory shut down in 2016, there were about a gazillion different models of Holger, including four pinhole models. The 120 PC that I used, which is a standard Holger camera with a pinhole instead of a plastic lens. A 35mm model, the WPC, which makes... Um, 6x9 or 6x12 negatives and a 3D stereo pinhole camera. Freestyle has a summary of the models here so she sent over a little link. For all the others I used a zero image 6x9 which is ingeniously designed so that it can be used in 6x4.5, 6x6, 6x7 or 6x9 format but I seem to use it in 6x6 format again and again. (laughs) CJM does love that square image doesn't she? Um, and it and it is lovely, and she does such beautiful things with that format that I can totally see why why you would do, naturally be drawn to using it in that format. Um, you have a multi uh, format pinhole as well, don't you, Greg? I do, I do. Well, you do as well, don't you? Right? Uh, no, it's it's just six by nine. Mine. It is just okay. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah my undo, my um, Gen two undo uh, is the six by twelve, and yes, you can put in the. Um, uh, whatever they're called to make it into either masks, masks yeah. And um, well, they they're not exactly masks; they're little things you slot in. They're like little wooden things that close it down. But anyway, they do the same job as a mask. Um, and it closes down to either six by six or six by seven. Or six, I can never remember. Nice. And that is always the problem: is that I never remember whether or not I put them <laughs> in. So I've started just not using them um, because otherwise I was making a horrible mess of them. But um, yeah, it's nice to have that choice for doing that. And oh, I, I, and as you're saying, Rach, like with the six by six you know jm does just such great work with the square format i think it's one of these things when you get when you get your eye and your um sort of creative vision are just swell to one format stick with it <laughs> you know do good work yeah. with it it's um it yeah. really seems to work for her and uh and all of her pictures are just so instantly identifiable as her work yes. it really speaks volumes okay the next email entitled tossing the grail which mm, <laughs> That's an unfortunate <laughs> sentence. Okay. <laughs> From the wonderful Jeff Greenstein. Um, oh, Jeff. Dear ever-changing Sunny 16 Ensemble. <laughs> Does he mean that we're individually ever-changing, do you think? <laughs> I think we all are, aren't we? Yeah, you know, it's part changing. of life and, and the quantum theory. And I'm joking, but yeah, <laughs> in general. Um, first we're of all... all expanding I... or contracting? I can't remember. Both. Okay. Constantly. Um <laughs> First of all, I have to congratulate Graham on being the best-sounding COVID-19 patient out there. I hope this means that you and yours are feeling better. It most certainly does. Thank you, Jeff. Second, you asked in episode 203 for listeners to chime in about cameras they dreamed of owning, only to discover they didn't like them. I'm sharing my saga in the hopes it may prove instructive. I'm going to try to tell this story without sounding name-droppy, but Mm -hmm. one of the many moments that (laughs) kick-started my film photography renaissance happened when I was in New York shooting an episode of Will and Grace. We writers were invited to a party at the penthouse apartment of a very famous fashion photographer. Oh, I like the capitalisation. That's That's good, yeah. Good work. Squarely... Squarely in the middle of the living room was a small illuminated glass cube containing all his cameras. <laughs> is this real? Is this like, do people I, um, really I, live like this? I think this? it's an alternative real, yeah. Uh, an extremely sexy decorating element I've yearned to emulate ever since. There were the usual top of the line Nikons, F this and D that. <laughs> <laughs> And then on the top shelf was an odd compact rangefinder-looking creature I'd never seen before. And I asked the VVFP, that's a very famous fashion photographer, uh, I think we did an extra very, very, very famous photographer, what it was. 
and he grinned slyly and replied that it was his secret weapon used on many a fashion shoot to catch a model unawares. Well, there's so many unfortunate sentences in this segment. Mm. <laughs> um, perhaps to grab a shot between setups. Vogue covers had been shot with this camera. It was a Nikon 35Ti. I hear the collective listenership of Sunny 16 suck in their breath. The 35Ti is, along with the Contax G2, the Minolta TC1 and the Yoshika T4, one of those compact autofocus focus? Focus cult cameras we're now supposed to pay $800 for so we can flash it when guesting on Jimmy Fallon or use it to snap a shot of Kanye's weird bathroom to post on Instagram. <laughs> Oh, Does he have a particularly I... weird bathroom? I've not seen it. I, I don't know, but it just sounds like Jeff has. Yeah. <laughs> Which wouldn't surprise me based on all we've read above. Oh, <laughs> how I lusted for my very own Nikon 35Ti. Years of lust. Which I will skip. <laughs> because suddenly, last summer, I took the plunge and bought one. Ah, well done. Guess what? What? It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> the autofocus is slow, the lens nothing special, and the vaunted matrix metering no better than my eye. <laughs> the analog dials are cute though. After a few months, I sold it back for exactly what I paid for it, deleted all my bookmarks pointing to breathless reviews, and went smartly back to the Olympus Pen EE3 I bought on eBay for $15. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, that's a, a splendid story. Um, yours with every good wish, Jeff Greenstein, who on Instagram is now S Jeff Greenstein because it requires less explanation. That's I saw that Jeff had yeah he'd had to change his handle or something. I think there was somebody else had got something similar. Anyway, so yeah, F uh, sorry S Jeff Greenstein, and it's Jeff with a J. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that story. Thank you very much. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, brilliant. well done on not being too name droppy. Um, you know, when I, I <laughs> the do VVFP. love VVFP. Yeah, the VVFP. Um, okay. Uh, Following so on what, from what this, would you have in your illuminated cube? I suppose that's a conversation for another day, isn't it? We'll, we'll still be yes, here exactly. Tonight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We'll save it for another day. Um, actually, at the moment, the answer would definitely be my chroma camera at yeah. the moment because yeah, it's carbon fiber. Uh, it looks like it belongs on a like a, an art podium, art podium <laughs> in an art gallery, <laughs> yes. on a podium. Um, yes. All right, you take this next one, Rach, uh, entitled "Be the Worst You Can Be" from Dean Lestoria. <laughs> Thanks, Dean. <laughs> Hello, great beamers of solar radiation. Um, it's been quite spacey themed, hasn't mm. it? About talking about the whole, you know, galaxy and universe expanding anyway um in episode 203 graham was trying <laughs> was trying to convince john whitmore that a larger negative gives better quality and that's the reason for it so you can be the best artist you can be bigger is bigger is higher quality question mark well my perfectionist friends you are looking through the wrong end of the lens Sounds about right. you want to <laughs> of life um, we want a, you want a bigger negative so you can be at your worst. A bigger negative is so much more forgiving. It's like a big hoodie rather than a shirt dress. A dress on. shirt, right? Dress Not a shirt, shirt dress. Well, I have shirt dresses. Sorry, I read that totally as a woman, didn't I? I was like, dress shirt, yeah. I've got a big hoodie and I have a, a shirt dress. But that wasn't at all what Dean said. My apologies. Hang on. He said... It's right. His expert. His comparison was: it's like a big hoodie rather than a dress shirt. Okay, so a dress shirt is something very tailored to you, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, thank you. I'm so sorry. Ah, the passionate police here. Um, I cannot process. I, I cannot process 35 mil film. The tiniest bit of dust covers an entire <laughs> 35 negative. I would uh, take a small stick to have. Sorry, it would take a small stick to have the same impact on a 4x5 negative. And I can tell you that maybe only once a week will a small <laughs> will a small branch get stuck to my film. 135 is awful, but 120? Well, if the temperature is off by 2 or 4 degrees, <laughs> who will notice? <laughs> the timer is more of a guide, really. 16mm of HC110? Well, that looks less than 20mm, so <laughs> it'll do. <laughs> Hang on, did you get this recipe from Graham? <laughs> I, I love the kind of listeners we've yes. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and 
oh my, with an 8 by 10 sheet of film, I can overexpose by five stops and it's good <laughs> enough. With my 6 by 9 Agfa Billy folder, I have a point and shoot that fits into my big hoodie pocket and I can be as sloppy as I like when I process the film. The bigger the film, the worse you can be. Let it go, let it go, la la la. Temperature never bothered me anyway. Thanks for listening from Dean Lestoria. Thank uh, you, Dean. I don't think you put your full effort into the singing that bit at the end, Rach, but I'll, I will let that go. Well, I don't know what it... I, you it must says, do, do, know do, what do. that's from. That's from Frozen. Do, 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 do. Oh, okay, yes. Now I understand. Got it. <laughs> Got it? Good. Um, Got it. Got it. Again, another fabulous email, one which really speaks to the heart of me. And he's not wrong, is he, Rach? Um, no. It's because a speck of dust on 35mm, which can, relatively speaking, be a very large part of the picture on mm. large format, uh, just mm. disappears. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it also depends on how close you're standing to the final print. You know, if you've got an A3 piece or an A1 piece, you know, or what have you. You know, if you're talking, like, huge huge image it's meant to be seen from further back mm. isn't it yeah so, yeah uh, yeah it's more forgiving i guess is is what i was thinking when i was listening to to you guys having a chat about that in terms of you could you can also crop it in <laughs> yeah of course if you've got if you've got bigger um but yeah so um shoot bigger to be the worst that you can be so uh, <laughs> there you go that's dean's advice excellent excellent uh, i do love that it sounds like dean is even more slapdash than i am <laughs> two or four degrees off <laughs> yeah. i mean but, we're talking black and white aren't we here so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah excessive precision will not get you i mean I, yeah. It's everything's fine. Just crack on and have fun. That's always the answer, yes. isn't it? For some people, it actually really does matter. Like they like to be very methodical and very mm. precise, and that that is what brings them pleasure from from the process. It's like, yeah, I can actually be really in control of this, and adjusting it a little way either side can make a difference. You know, for them. Um, so yeah, we're, we're all about do whatever makes you feel good, right? And yeah, absolutely. You, so. that's, the, that's the great thing about this hobby is that it can go in so many different directions and there's so many different aspects that can speak to so many different brain types and personalities. Um, and we can all just come together as a lovely no. person soup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this next email... <laughs> Is from Christoph Sieglin, who writes and say, Dear Graham and John. Oh, there you go. John's not here. Sorry. Um, Thank you for this episode. It was a great listen. Cameras that I don't use as much as I thought. Uh, One, my Yashica D. I love the looks, but can't get used to the handling of TLRs. For some reason, image composition with my Bronica SQ seems so much easier. Maybe the protruding lens helps, pointing in the right direction. Um, and yeah, that's certainly a, he's, you're not alone in that Christoph we talked about on the show that the fact that A just does not like TLRs mm. um, they're not for everybody are they Rich because it is no. a you, the, the fact that you move one way and everything moves the other way <laughs> it's like my hang yeah. on a second and, and it's it, <laughs> I think it's a thing you can get past if you if you want to spend the time with it and it's the same with large format you know you, yeah. you have to adjust your brain to upside down and left and right but um, you have to want to do it uh, oh, sorry, the dog's come in. Hello. Hi, Marcy. Um, Hi, Marcy. Uh, sorry, I'm going to have to... Apparently, I've got to move. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hello. <laughs> All right, she's she's laid down next to me now, under the table. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Uh, Marcy's, the door's wide open now, so, yeah, apologies. The dog's always welcome, Rach. Um, next one is my Exacta Varex, arguably the queen of SLRs. I enjoy its beautiful waist-level finder and its ever-so-slightly eccentric design choices. Left-hand side shutter release. There must be some British influence there. But it is <laughs> so heavy. Too heavy. Mm. Cheers from Christoph. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? We can have these lovely cameras, mm. but if they're just... Yeah. If there's something about that stops us from using them, um, yep. it's a shame. And it, and it, it's weird, isn't it? Like that that is so different and so personal to every single person as well. Like for for me, obviously, I'm I'm imagining. <laughs> um, you know, you're quite a bit taller than me, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and your hands are probably quite a bit bigger. So you know, something that makes sense for you to to be using ergonomically is going to be a very different experience for me. 
trying yes. to like reach to the other side to press the thing, you know, or to or to move the aperture or what have you, you know, whilst being able to like hold it in one hand and you know so all of these things can make a big <clears throat> a big big difference to whether it's the right camera for you as well and the right shooting experience absolutely and uh, so uh, like with the um fed 2 um the, that i've got uh the um the shutter button is just slightly awkwardly placed on this and it's not like i can't reach it i can but it's not where my finger naturally wants to go so yeah mm. i have to stop <laughs> and think and the more i use it the um more I go to the right place. Incidentally, on that Fed too, um, I think we mentioned this at the time because uh, somebody wrote in and explained, but I, I said I'd been trying to use it and I was having trouble focusing through the viewfinder. There was I was mm-hmm. having to take my glass off to do it. And, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who wrote it. I know we thanked you at the time, but there is a lever on the left-hand side to uh, change the diopter on it. So I, I went and had a look and, oh. yeah, it's like, oh, just move this lever a little bit. Everything comes back into focus. Perfect. Oh. So thank you very much for that tip. That's been great because I've been out shooting some um, ectochrome in that. One day I might even finish the whole roll. <laughs> One day. What? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, there is a PS to this. And I don't know where you oh. can f- um, find Christoph's email, actually, Rachel. You can see this picture. Um, okay. It says, PS, may I ask for your advice regarding a darkroom-related matter? With eight weeks lockdown here in Paris, I started to develop black and white film at home. Everything is fine except some dark spots that show up on certain negatives, uh, quite visible in the picture that's included, not chosen for its artistic qualities. I am already tapping the tank quite hard to get rid of bubbles, and anyhow, below does not really look bubble-shaped. I'm using filtered tap water, but could the spots nevertheless stem from lime scale? Many thanks in advance for your reply. So have you got this picture, Rach? Mm, Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. So, they don't look like bubble shape. No. no, it's definitely particles or something that's it's on some, there. Yeah, it could be the fix, right? It could be bits of something floating around in there. That's so. That's certainly an issue that I've had in the past. Um, you filtered where, it out, didn't you? I think. Uh, I mm, yeah. I just so. <laughs> or you it, just threw it, got yeah. got new. So what yeah. I found was, and and I've actually stopped using these concert. So the I was keeping my fix in the black concertina bottles, and. I keep fixed for quite a long time because I'm just not mm. using it that often because I don't develop that mm. often. And I was just, stuff was crystallizing in it. And so I was getting really bad particle debris in there. Um, so that certainly could be the cause of the problem. I find it's less of an issue. The Those concertina bottles seem to be a swine for growing that stuff. So I'm not using those. Mm. The other thing is that... What um, do you use? Oh, just a brown chemical bottle, brown plastic yeah. chemical, and that seems mm-hmm. better. And it's easy to wash. I think that was the biggest problem with these concertina bottles is once the stuff's in there, because it coats yeah. the sides, you're never yeah. getting that clean. Um, mm. The other thing is that it, it could be landscape, because although filtering the water won't change its pH composition, it'll get out some stuff, but it won't stop it from being hard water. So if you've got very hard water, it could still be limescale building up in there. I mean, eight weeks isn't very long, Um but this is the negative. This is the negative, right? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not been um, inverted, so. Um, I'm just wondering whether it was j- literally bits of some bits of dust or something in the atmosphere that's attached to the negative. If you see what I mean, I wasn't sure. Mm. Yeah, it's so that's also possible, isn't it? Um, I mean, uh, we had a great email a few weeks back, so talking about the fact that if you are hanging them up to dry somewhere that could be dusty, that getting them dry quickly is really important because dust sticks to wet negs in a way when they're well it sticks to wet negs far worse than when they're mm. dry um because when they're dry if you get dust on it you can blow it off dust it off but if it sticks to them when they're wet it can be quite hard to shift them yeah. um but yeah so uh, can't give any specific up, but it, it definitely does look like debris of some sort um as we've mentioned <coughs> in recent week's podcast you could try using um bottled water um sort of deionized water or, or something like that um to mix up your fix if mm-hmm. there is a chance of there being lime scale um yeah. so yeah check check the bottle see what type you're storing it in whether it could be you know some debris as you say that's got sort of stuck in one of the concertinas or something mm. um check whether it's actual you know it looks like it's actual dust and debris from from drying perhaps um you could potentially put uh like a big plastic bag over over them you know just to kind of like keep other dust the general atmosphere dust out of the way um whilst they're drying just just to sort of like start them off kind of thing um 
and uh, yeah, I think I think those are your, the main things. It's possibly going to be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. doesn't well, look um, like it's bubbles, so it seems like you're doing a good job with you with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, welcome to the lifelong mission of trying to get rid of dust and particles on negatives. It's a journey that we are all constantly on, it feels like. Um, yeah, or wetting agent as well can help, can't it? Yes, well? that's Just true. To flush that last little bit off, you know, if it's something like that too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point, actually. Wetting agent's definitely worth a shout because it'll make the water run off more and help them dry quickly. So good tip, good tip. Okay, do you want to take this next one, Rach, from Paul Friday? Sure. So Paul's written in to say, regrets. I've had a few. Dear Sonnies, what a question to ask. Have you ever regretted buying a camera? <laughs> Would you believe a Nikono... What? A Nikonos. Nikonos? Mm-hmm. Nikonos? Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. I scuba dive and I take pictures. So what a great idea to combine them. How hard could it be? The answer is very hard, especially if you're an Egypt and have a hand crane to take pictures on film. I persevered through a gradually improving line of waterproof to proper underwater cameras. Along the way, I broke or flooded most of them, which hurts less if you always buy secondhand, but still causes great hilarity amongst my digitally equipped mates. Like the time a camera filled with seawater soon after starting the dive, causing the wind motor to jam on. I couldn't abandon it. So we spent the whole dive with my camera plaintively grinding away at a decreasing speed. Anywho, I had always wanted the king of underwater cameras, the Nikonos. Ap- apologies, I-, I can't seem to pronounce this properly, I- and it's not one that I've heard of, obviously. Um, I had searched, uh, I had searches set up on eBay, but they always sold for more than I was wanting to spend. The only one the god smiled. Oh, sorry. Then one one day the god smiled. Uh, a Nikonos five with underwater flash and close-up attachments went under the hammer when nobody else was looking. It was mine. Precious. For a very small sum of money. That's wonderful news. Uh, the Nikonos 5 with 35mm lens is a hefty metal brick of a camera. The underwater flash gun hangs out to the side of an, on an extension arm. The close-up lens has two long prongs that show the framing and point of focus. I did some amateur metal work, oh my goodness, and added a second slave-triggered flash on the other side of the camera. It was a seal's pyjamas. <laughs> but I didn't love it. It was just too much of a handful underwater. It was the marine equivalent of a shopping trolley. <laughs> it was too big. It tangled in things. There was no way of storing it. So it so it occupied at least one hand at all times. I did try, but I'm afraid that my smaller, neater, autofocus and digital camera did a better job and posed less risk. I even tried using the Nikonos um, on the surface as a robust and weatherproof camera, but it was too heavy. So I'm afraid I sold it. I got more for it than I paid. That's cool. And I hope that it has gone to someone who can love it. I am also afraid that I used the profits to buy a better digital camera and housing. <gasps> I know, traitor to the cause. I do still have one auto underwater film camera though, which I have kept because it's actually very simple to use. Fits in a pocket when not in use and risks a whole £3.20 if I do ever break it. I have labelled it as Nikon Not. <laughs> <laughs> My mates still think I'm an Egypt, but they like the pictures. Confession really is good for the soul. Stay safe. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, my apologies, Paul, for not being able to pronounce any of that correctly. Um, but yeah, I'm so pleased. And you gave it a whirl, right? You tried it and decided that it just wasn't right for you. So that's that seems like a good <laughs> a good approach to have. Yeah, and as as both Paul and Jeff have indicated, like the good thing is with a lot of these cameras, as long as you buy sensibly, you're not likely to lose money on cameras, not on mm. old film cameras, because they're just not dropping in value. If anything, you might make a bit more money, as Paul did. So, um, you know, it's worth a try. If you've got the funds and you want to give something a go, then go for it. It's not like buying a digital camera, finding you don't like it, and then suddenly realising that you've now lost a couple of hundred quid the moment you open the box. Mm. Okay, I think this is our last one from the fabulous John Michael Mendeza, who writes in to say, Hi, Sunbeams. I just wanted to reply quickly to the question discussed in Thursday's episode. It was a great discussion and very thought-provoking. The question was, more or less, why? (laughs) Um, That's always the question. (laughs) Why use film at all? Why do we go for medium format? Why do we lust after certain cameras? Why do we reach for certain cameras for certain things? Lots of reasons, and I'm sure they'll be very different for different people. But speaking for myself, the answer is fairly simple. Because I like it. 
I have the luxury of practicing photography as a hobby and I love the tactile feel and experience of using old cameras. Sometimes the images I get from them are total crap and some <laughs> I quite like. But for me, it's not really about the images. It's about the whole experience. When deciding which camera to take on a given day, it is most likely about the feel of the camera and the enjoyment of using it, not only if it will give me the very best results. That's my two cents. Love the podcast mm -hmm. as always. All the best from John Michael. Thank you very much, Brilliant. John Michael. And yes, yeah. I can certainly speak to that. I think. I, I think it's it's kind of a bit like deciding what clothes to wear, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Like you 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 pick particular clothes depending on how you're feeling that day, whether you want them to be super bright uh, or whether they need to be quite subdued, or if you're going on a hike up a mountain, or if you're going into the office for a board meeting, you know, they're, they're going to be different looks, aren't they? You you don't wear the same clothes for every single situation in life. And I think it's a bit like that. Like, um, I know that makes it sound like the camera's a fashion accessory, but I'm not meaning it like that. I'm meaning it as in it's doing, you know, you're choosing that camera for that particular purpose, right? For yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think ultimately, um, picking a camera to use because it's the one you just like using as opposed yeah. to it's the one that can technically provide the best quality, ultimately is going to lead to better quality images. Because if you yeah. if you feel enjoy the experience, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like the clothing. If you if you're wearing clothing, you feel comfortable in and you feel good in you're going to go out and put, put a better self out there. And it's the same with photography. If you're using gear that you feel comfortable and confident with, that will more than compensate for any potential quality um, improvements that other cameras that uh, you could be using would have. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's that's really important. And yes, I I'm, I can agree. When I go out, it's like, well, what do I want to be shooting? Um, because I don't, for, for any of us really that are shooting it as a hobby, I don't think there's any point at all in going, well, I don't enjoy using this camera, but it takes the best. It has the potential to take the best picture, so I'll use this one. Well, just where's the fun in that? <laughs> and if it's not fun, <laughs> why are we doing it? This is a hobby for most of us. So, um, yeah, great email, and that does indeed do it for emails this week. Goodness, look at us! We I know. Through it, we have what a great selection of emails this week. Well done, everybody! Some fantastic stories there. I, I have very much <laughs> oh, enjoyed God. all of Sorry, those. Sorry, the dogs. Are... Oh, jeez. <laughs> Bye, Marcy. Off she goes. Bye, Marcy. <laughs> she just wanted to hear that last email. Now she's happy and gone. Um, <laughs> before we uh, start to wrap things up, um, is there anything else we need to think of this week, Rage? Um, and there's nothing particular going on, I don't think, is there this week? Um, not that I'm aware of, but then I haven't really been on social media very much <laughs> this last week. Um, well, it's just, yeah. Um, just found it more difficult to be honest that's um, perfectly so, reasonable yeah perfectly have, reasonable right uh, as much as possible I've just sort of like generally been away so there's probably other things that have been happening that i've uh, just passed me by yeah um, passed us I, all I'm by but, sure but yeah. um, um never mind Go on. yeah um obviously we're heading towards the summer solstice so start getting your um pinhole camera yes. long-term pinhole cameras ready to stick up and get your six months exposures that is always a good thing to do i'm sure we'll see something from justin shortly after the uh, pin source this has happened to tell us about that um yeah. uh, and of course rachel's patreon is very much still there so um hopefully by this point everyone will at the very least been and had a look at the um patreon.com forward slash little vintage photography rage is that right that's right Patreon.com. Hey, Patreon.com hey. forward <laughs> slash little vintage forward slash little vintage photography. That's uh, that's me, yes. And I'll be I'll be back there and, and putting up some more stuff um soon. So that's that's exciting. Yes, um when is the summer solstice? Uh, obviously I know that Sam does um Solar Can Sam does a lot of um sort of like push towards that as well, of course. Um is it is it June? It's June. Uh, one second, I will 21st? summer solstice twenty twenty. Uh, Saturday the 20th of June. Oh, so we've got a bit of time yet. you got a bit of time yes. yet. Um, so that's yes, okay. You... That gives you a good amount of time to actually go, ah, okay, that's an idea, and then put it into action. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I always find that otherwise it's like, what? This is happening in three days' time? Ah. Yeah. Um, I... And then it doesn't happen. Yeah, plenty of time. Yeah, we'll try and remember again nearer the time. <laughs> that might be helpful. Um, well, shall we do our coffee stuff then, Rach? 
Yes, let's let's, let's talk. Do uh, let's talk to. Let's, let's talk thank coffee. our lovely donors. It's much appreciated, guys. We really do appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much. You guys okay, are so the best. Starting with David Allen. Uh, so this week, what David Allen's been doing is he's been getting a little bit overexcited because David Allen is also awaiting the imminent arrival of a chroma carbon adventurer. See, I'm in a very cool oh, club of people I here. Um, very good. Uh, David's gone a little bit over the top, though. I got excited and got a bag out to put it all in. I thought, oh, this would be great. David's bought a whole new house to keep his in. He's got a whole <laughs> big French house to keep it that he's moving into this week just so that Chroma has somewhere suitable to live, which I think is um, perhaps a little bit over the top. But, you know, you do. Because it's own don't. room. And best of luck with the move, David. We're all very excited. Yes. Because the place he's going to is fantastic and run down and one day will hopefully be the home of some fun film festivals. I can see that happening. Yes. I think that's going to be great. So. Uh, absolutely. Can't wait can't wait um and oh and his mum's been busy um making more crochet film um <laughs> photographs wonderful wonderful stuff um so um thanks very much david jeff greenstein uh, jeff emailer from before yes. yes so jeff as we mentioned earlier has been sorting out his social presence um because he, as he said in the bottom of his email, he's he's changed his name now on, on instagram so that it's a little less confusing for people um, people who don't remember, uh, and this is actually a true fact, Jeff's previous um, Instagram handle was Blue439. Now you might think, well, how could that possibly be confusing for anybody? I googled Blue439, and I'm assuming that this is where it comes from. <laughs> okay, this is what uh, I am on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> which is, as everybody knows, is the Star Wars wiki. Um, Chandrillion Blue 439 was a popular vintage of wine made from grappa berries grown in vineyards outside the city of Naila on the planet Chandrilla. So That's um, Jeff's previous Instagram name was some mad nerd stuff. <laughs> Well done, <laughs> brilliant i can't believe Jeff, people was that why it was called that that would be I think, amazing i think you might have been i think you might have been well done Jeff. love it and also well done wikipedia for answering yeah. my question absolutely um we have andy d uh, andy d has been trying to prepare himself for it's called reintegrating himself with popular the population because the people in the streets the numbers are going up um so he's been he's been shutting himself in the closet with mirrors all around him and shouting at himself um, to try and just acclimatise to being back in the hustle and bustle of modern life. Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for it, Rach. Are you ready for it? No, no, I'm not enjoying the shops at all. Like, we're going to have to get... No, we're not going to get into that. Um, Okay, finally we have John Michael. John Michael Mendes, I presume. The wonderful John Michael Mendeza. And of course, what John Michael Mendeza has been doing is playing around in his darkroom more. And he has sent us, I think it's going to be the last instalment of his um, little audio snippets from the darkroom. So we will, of course, be adding that on to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for those, John Michael. They have been a real delight. It's been lovely hearing your enthusiasm and adventures through. I haven't listened to this one yet, um, so I will enjoy listening to it as I put it on. But um, yeah, thank you so much for that, John Michael. And, um, you know, listeners, we, we enjoy stuff like that so if you've got ideas for stuff let us know um yeah that was really great really great and that's it thank you so much everybody you're all fabulous you are and um yeah thanks for sticking with us through lockdown and and as things have been going uh and changing and all of the upheavals and things that we're all going through um we really super appreciate it so uh yeah it's lovely to have something that's kind of like keeping us going and you know each week that we get to come and do this and we get to come and have a nice chat and speak to you guys. So um, we hope you're still enjoying it. <laughs> um, we will be back on Thursday. We've got something fun planned for this week, yes. um, which hopefully <laughs> will we'll, uh, we'll all go well. Um, so uh, we won't give any spoilers for that. But yeah, we've got something. We got we got something planned. We got something planned for this week. So it should be good. Um, uh, there's a but, plan, I mean, right? That's... There's a plan. Well, there's, there's the vaguest of plans, but that's, that's as good as we ever have, the vaguest of plans. Um, so until then, I guess that just about does us. We will um, wrap up now. We will play you out, as always, with the wonderful music from Schnauzer, Remortgaging the Nest of Hairs. Um, and so until Thursday, when we speak to you again, thank you very much for listening and have a lovely week. Have a lovely week.
Hey everybody, John Michael again for another catch up on what's been happening in my dark room. So after my last testing session in the dark room, I decided that for my next attempt I wanted to try and do something a bit bigger. I have a box of Ilford Multigrade 4 paper that's 24 by 30 centimeters and I wanted to give that a try but my trays were too small so I went ahead and ordered some new trays which have arrived and I had also won an auction for a set of multi-grade filters for under the lens and those arrived as well so I had some new toys to try out and my goal was to try and get a couple of nice bigger prints done before I started with the larger paper, I tried some testing with the Photon Foamy multigrade paper just to kind of get an idea what the different contrast filters would do and what kind of an effect they had. I experimented a bit with combining filters with different exposure times. I tried just doing straight prints with the different filters at different times to see what the effects were. Once I decided to go for the larger paper, I raised up the enlarger as much as I could, and it just barely covers the size, but I made a little mask that covers two centimeters of the edge of the paper, just so I have a nice clean white border, and also I have a little bit of flexibility with the negative. I cut down some of the paper into smaller pieces to use as smaller test strips before I went for the whole sheet of paper tried it out some different times, some different filters, found something that I kind of liked, and then went ahead and printed three uh, full-page prints of that first negative um, with slight differences in times and dodging a little bit here and there. And yeah, they came out okay. I've been putting scans of all the things that I've been printing up on my website so you can see what I'm talking about if you're interested. I tried going through the same process with a different negative, a 6x6 negative, which is, as I mentioned, cropped on my enlarger, and I wasn't quite as happy with the results from that. It's a very contrasty image, and I didn't quite get the, the lights and the darks to look how I wanted them to. I think I need to do a lot of dodging and burning on that print, or maybe figure out the split uh, filter printing method to get that how I want it, but it just looked a bit muddy and not as clean and crisp as I would like it to be, so there's more experimentation needed for that as well. So I think this will be my last recording. I've gotten to the point where I can get a print, and uh, now comes lots and lots of practice to get it to the level that I would like it to be at. But I wanted to wrap up just with some thoughts on the whole darkroom printing thing in general and what my experience has been with it so far. Uh, unfortunately, at this time, it wasn't possible for me to do a workshop or really get any outside input. So everything that I've learned has been either from watching YouTube or from Rachel's videos or um, the Shoot Film Like a Boss channel has been very helpful. I've also watched some of John Whitmore's videos and just been picking up little tips and tricks from that. But I didn't really get the opportunity to have a complete course or um, from the ground up kind of a detailed instruction learning. So there could be some things that I've totally missed and would make my life a lot easier and maybe later I'll figure those out and smack myself on the head. But in general, I, I found the process interesting. I've enjoyed messing around with it. I don't know if it's going to be something that I will really pursue and try and get to perfection. So far, the results I've gotten have been okay, but I almost always like the digital file better than what I'm able to get from printing. I've been a bit spoiled by the ease and flexibility offered by photographing my negatives and then touching them up in Photoshop. I'm also not really sure yet what to do with the prints once I've printed them. Um, it seems ridiculous to print them and then scan them and share them online when photographing the negative and displaying it that way is a cleaner digital file. 
So I'm not sure if I will start uh, framing them. I want to get kind of a magnet board for my wall that I can at least have the the prints in progress up there so I can live with them a bit and maybe have some ideas from looking at them, what I can do differently the next time. So I started a collection in my Lightroom catalog of a bunch of different negatives that I would like to print. And my plan going forward is to print those negatives and just see what kind of results I can get. And then we'll see if it's something that I want to continue or if I'm just happier with the photographing the negatives and keeping them as a digital file. So I guess my final thoughts are I'm really glad that I've been doing these experiments and it's been a lot of fun trying things out. We'll have to see if I continue doing it, but if anybody's thinking about trying it and you have the time and the little space to do it, definitely give it a try and see if it's something for you. As with so many things, it's easy to get started and get some results, and then you can spend as much time as you want trying to get them exactly the way you want them. So as I mentioned, if you want to see the results that I've gotten, go to jmm-photos.com and click on the tab that says Test Strips. All my results are up there. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to these. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.